Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. We came very close to a catastrophic breakdown of our democratic accountability. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. Right now, we're kind of stuck in this cycle where every summer we're hearing another story about a big fire and a town burning down. It's still extremely difficult to hold government agencies accountable for abuses that take place in the name of national security. This is KCBS In-Depth. For a little bit there, it seemed as though a court-mandated enrollment freeze would force UC Berkeley to dramatically cut down on the number of students it had planned to enroll in its fall freshman class. So it surely came as a relief to a whole lot of hopeful high school students last month when state lawmakers managed to craft a last-minute legislative fix just ahead of the deadline to send out admission letters. But while that new law solved the immediate problem facing the school, the underlying crisis that caused all this in the first place, hasn't gone anywhere. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Manconi, and today on the program, we're going to examine the student housing crisis now facing Berkeley, as well as other college towns throughout California, a crisis that's pushing many low-income students to the financial brink as enrollment growth continues to outpace new housing and the cost of living soars ever higher. Starting off that conversation, we're going to focus first on how this crisis has been unfolding in Berkeley specifically. To bring us that story, we're going to welcome on now Francis Dinkelspiel, a reporter and a co-founder for the digital news outlet Berkeley Side, who's been covering this topic. Francis Dinkelspiel, welcome to KCBS In-Depth. Thank you for having me. So to start us off, remind us how this all started. Uh, We're talking about a lawsuit brought against the university by a group of angry Berkeley residents. Uh, What was that over and how did it get us here? This has been a long time in the making. Um, How it started was that uh, UC Berkeley increased the number of students it was enrolling. Uh, It had to do that because the Board of Regents ordered them to do that. Uh, And they increased the number of students by more than 30% from 2007 to around 2019. That's about an additional 11,000 students, but it never uh, alerted anybody in the city that it was uh, increasing the number of students until it decided to do a supplemental environmental impact report and included in a broader impact report about some housing um, and a new building for the Goldman School of Public Policy. And while that sounds kind of complicated, it is. And the way UC Berkeley went about it uh, is what caused it a lot of trouble in the courts. Essentially, a judge decided that slipping in the examination of an enrollment impact into another EIR for a building was not the way to go about it. That in fact, UC Berkeley abused its discretion and the judge ordered UC Berkeley to do a new EIR and eventually said, you got to stop uh, uh, permitting more students to come in until you examine the impact. 
So that set the stage uh, for this. And, and the people behind the lawsuit that made this happen uh, was a group called uh, Save Berkeley's Neighborhoods, uh, which is made up supposedly of dozens of neighborhood groups in Berkeley. Yeah. So speed ahead to the beginning of this year, and we began hearing from Berkeley that uh, because it has lost uh, court appeals, um, it is uh, about to need to cut its enrollment for the fall term. And uh, it's expected that that's going to have a major impact on the incoming freshman class. Uh, Bring us up to uh, about February and what lawmakers in California's legislature did in response. Well, um, UC Berkeley uh, had been ordered to cap its enrollment way back in uh, the latter part of 2021, but because of some glitch, it never appealed that enrollment cap. When um, all of a sudden it found itself, you know, uh, having to implement that enrollment cap, and it, of course, didn't want to do that. So for a, a period of about three weeks, it looked like UC Berkeley was going to have to seriously uh, drop the number of admissions it offered to both undergraduates and uh, transfer students. And this meant that at least you know, 3,000 hardworking high school students who had been hoping to get into UC Berkeley were either uh, not gonna be admitted or they were gonna be admitted and asked to defer their enrollment. And of course, you know, um, lawmakers and many people said, this is a really awful unintended consequence. These innocent students are being caught between this much larger conversations that, that's happening in California about uh, student enrollment and housing. So anyway, um, the legislature didn't want this to happen and it uh, introduced a bill uh, on March 11th to, um, to, to sort of erase this enrollment cap for UC Berkeley. And Governor Newsom signed a bill March 14th uh, you know, erasing this cap. It, 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 was a re- it was record movement on the part of the legislature. It was extraordinary how fast they moved to make sure that students who were hoping to enroll UC Berkeley were able to. All right. So that's where things stand right now. Uh, but the group that first launched that lawsuit, as you mentioned, Save Berkeley's Neighborhoods, they are not too happy about that legislation that was passed. I recently spoke with the group's president, Phil Bakavoy, Uh, And we're going to bring in his perspective now. Uh, He says that the new law simply does not address the core issue his group has been trying to raise. That is the mismatch between student growth and housing growth in the city. A mismatch that he says has been causing a number of problems for the broader Berkeley community. Sometimes parties are an issue. Sometimes lots of trash or noise are other issues. But the main issue has just been creating the housing crisis. A housing crisis that has only gotten worse, he says, as more students arrive and push the demand for housing well beyond the available supply. And the people who've suffered most from the housing shortage are renters. And the um, people who've been displaced have been primarily low-income households or middle-income households. So whereas, you know, we used to have lots of artists and kind of interesting people who were creative and could afford to live in Berkeley. Many of those people have been forced out of Berkeley because of the rise in students. Bakavoy's group has been calling on the university to commit to building more housing before growing the student body any further. 
As for the university, well, UC Berkeley spokesperson Dan Mogoloff points out that rising housing prices are not unique to the city of Berkeley. All the same, though, he readily acknowledges that the lack of student housing represents a major problem. The university, dating back a number of years, in fact, to 2018, was quite transparent and forthcoming in saying we had a serious student housing crisis. He also adds, though, that UC Berkeley does not control its own enrollment level, as Francis mentioned a few minutes ago. Instead, that's a decision made by the legislature and the UC system as a whole. And so UC Berkeley was, in recent years, required to take more students than we had planned or anticipated, regardless of the fact that we did not have enough housing. Um, And so we're scrambling to catch up. So, uh, Francis Dinkelspiel, bringing you back in, where does that leave us uh, at this point? The university, despite that uh, new law that's solving the immediate problem, doesn't get them off uh, the legal hook, correct? Correct. Uh, Legislators were very careful with this new law. They didn't want to gut the California Environmental Quality uh, Assurance Act. This is a huge issue in California. Um, So... What they said was that if a a judge orders a university to do an examination of things like its enrollment caps, uh, they have to look at the entire population of the university, not just the student population, and they have 18 months in which to complete uh, those new examinations. So a judge in Alameda County ordered UC Berkeley in August of 2021 to do a new environmental impact report on the increased student enrollment. Uh, so that so UC hasn't started that. Uh, UC Berkeley is hoping that the Court of Appeal will uh, throw out that ruling uh, when the court takes it up in the fall. Uh, but if it doesn't win there, you know, UC will have to go through and do a new EIR on the impact of student enrollment. So the, the issue at the center of this lawsuit still exists. All right. And that, once again, is Francis Dinkelspiel with Berkeley Side. This is KCBS In-Depth speaking right now about the student housing crisis facing Berkeley and other California universities. Uh, Hopefully all that just gives a sense of the many moving parts that are at play as uh, Berkeley tries to answer this question about how it's going to deal with these student housing challenges. But uh, as it does so, What does this all mean for the students themselves? Well, we're going to bring in some of that perspective now. For some, the housing crisis in Berkeley has meant looking for an apartment elsewhere and settling for a long commute. For others, it's added up to a crushing financial burden that'll only add to their student debt after graduation. And then there are the students who run out of options and have fallen into homelessness. I spoke with two such students recently, and we're going to hear from them right now. First up... Terrell Thompson. He's a second-year business major who ran into trouble last year at the beginning of the fall term. At the time, COVID lockdown measures were lifting, and he and thousands of other undergrads were returning to campus all at once and competing with one another to find a place to live. I was actually homeless. Uh, I was sleeping outside of my car because it was such a struggle to actually find affordable housing around Berkeley. So I was commuting back and forth between going back home Sacramento and to Berkeley to attend my classes. Obviously, that is a difficult way to start out the school year. Thompson had to juggle a heavy course load and his housing search, all while also confronting the realities of living on the street. It's hard. You gotta you set your meat on your phone. You know, you run to your classes, then you gotta run back. You gotta move your car. 
and you know pay for your parking again which is the whole idea that you got to go get food then you got to go study you run to your classroom mind you it's like you're sleeping in the back of your car so it's like it's not a comfortable sleep you know you hear lots of talking lots of walking lots of activity going on you're like going to this new area you're new to college you're new to being in person it's very you know frightening for housing to go back to school was incredibly challenging and I was offered an on-campus housing option sharing a bedroom with someone for $3,000 per month and I could not afford that clearly. That's Hope Gail Hendry, a senior studying ecosystem management. Like Thompson, she too was forced to live in her car for a time. Until my car was stolen and I had nowhere to live. (laughs) All this disruption and uncertainty took an academic toll on Gail Hendry. It made it pretty impossible to do school. And I'm actually not sure how I made it through, but it basically destroyed my GPA. I went from a 3.9 GPA to like a 3.0 GPA, which nixed a lot of academic opportunities that I could have had simply because of my housing instability, not because I'm not a good student. Eventually, both students did find stable housing. Hope's new room? I'm in kind of a, a backyard shed situation right now, paying, paying for it with student loans. Paying $1,100 a month, that is. Again, for a backyard shed. Still, it is a step up. It, but it, it's fine. It's a safe, comfortable situation. As for Thompson, well, after three weeks living in his car, searching for an apartment without much luck, He was just about ready to rent out a spot that he describes as a jail cell-sized room in an attic. Windows, you know, just completely dark with one light. And that was even my housing. The monthly rent for that one? $1,200. $1,200 to live in the attic of somebody's house. Luckily, he did not end up there. Just in the nick of time, he stumbled across a landlord who understood his situation and agreed to rent out a studio apartment for a below-market rate. Even now, though, months later... Thompson says the anxiety and the trauma from his time on the street still lingers. So just how common are stories like these? Well, a recent survey of UC Berkeley students suggests that during the fall term last year, around a quarter experienced at least some degree of housing insecurity. A sizable number, to be sure. And of course, this is not an issue that is limited to Berkeley alone. So bringing in that part of the story, we're going to expand the conversation and welcome on another voice now, Michael Zinstein. He's a higher education reporter for Cal Matters. Michael Zinstein, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. So you've been reporting on how the student housing crisis is shaping up statewide. What are you finding at other public universities? The The stat that you just referenced about housing insecurity at Berkeley, that's a crisis that is affecting higher education across California. So there was one survey in 2019 that said um, more than a third of California higher ed students experience some kind of housing insecurity. And housing insecurity is a term that um, can mean a lot of things, but basically it's someone who has unstable living conditions. Um, They can't pay rent, they can't pay utilities, they have to move frequently. It's not a great way to uh, keep up your grades uh, if you're always concerned that um, 
housing is going to is going to disappear. Right. So as we heard there, it is definitely taking a, a very large toll on these students. Um, how did how did we get here? Why is this a problem that seems to be coming to a head at this moment? It seems like uh, the root is, you know, the the demand for a public university education in California is higher than it's ever been. But uh, the housing stock, housing production simply hasn't kept up. Um, so I want to start by saying this is part of a good story. There is a good story here. And that's that more high school students are graduating college ready. Um, that is a positive sign that is good for the K-12 system and that's good for California. But all those suddenly uh, college ready high schoolers puts more pressure on the UC and CSU to enroll more students. And th that's been the case in the past decade, UC undergraduate enrollment jumped from 180,000 students to 230,000 students. Um, at the at the CSU, similar uh, clip from six hundred. I'm sorry, from three hundred sixty-seven thousand students to four hundred twenty thousand students. So that's big growth. And in that time, the the systems have been developing housing. So at UC, you've had twenty-one thousand beds come online since twenty fifteen. Uh, Berkeley represented a small amount of that, just about. 800 beds since 2015 and about 1,200 beds since 2011. Despite all that development, way more students want campus beds. In addition to all the housing and security data I mentioned earlier, you also had about 16,000 students on campus housing waiting lists last fall at the UC and CSU. And that demand isn't going unnoticed. The UC plans to build nearly 26,000 beds in the next four years, including nearly 4,000 at UC Berkeley. So the public universities are trying to respond, but many students still feel left behind. in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I'm just going to reintroduce both of our guests uh, once again, real quick. Uh, once again, this is KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Today on the show, California's housing crisis is putting an especially tight squeeze on university students. We're discussing how UC Berkeley and other campuses are confronting the problem. Joining us for that conversation, we just heard a second ago from Michael Zinstein. He's a higher education reporter for CalMatters and, and heard earlier from Frances Dinkelspiel, a reporter for Berkeley Side, which is an online news outlet that she also co-founded. Uh, Frances, bringing you back in, uh, talk a little bit more about the Berkeley case. Why has UC Berkeley struggled to bring more housing to students? I think there are multiple uh, factors uh, why UC Berkeley hasn't, you know, built housing. I think a primary factor is both space and money. Um, you know, UC Berkeley 
um, and the UC system have a limited amount of, of bond monies it can issue uh, uh, to raise money to build housing. And there hasn't been a bond uh, issue in a long, long time to build student housing. Uh, and so uh, instead, the UC system in UC Berkeley has raised money to build more academic buildings. So, you know, uh, that is a question of priorities for the both UC and the UC Berkeley system. However, uh, it, it is making progress right now. Um, it, it just got a generous grant uh, from a foundation uh, to build uh, uh, the, something called the Anchor House. Uh, they are a, a foundation is spending $300 million to gift a 775 bed dorm uh, to UC Berkeley. And Cal is uh, proceeding ahead to build about a thousand uh, student dorm on People's Park. So Cal is starting slowly to try to uh, build some more housing for its students. But of course, it'll never house all the students, even when it builds the 11,000 beds it, it has promised to build, about 70% of the students at UC Berkeley will have to find housing elsewhere. And so what this means is there are a lot of developers in Berkeley who are building student housing, and that's mostly what's going up. But these, re these rents are expensive. They are very expensive, and it makes it very hard for students who don't come from backgrounds of means to afford uh, the, the student housing. All right. Well, bringing uh, Michael Zinstein back in again with uh, Cal Matters, what does this all look like uh, from the state level? What sorts of solutions are folks uh, within the legislature or, you know, leaders within the UC system? What sort of fixes are they considering at the moment? Sure. So I will say that until very recently, it wasn't really on the legislature's radar to deal with uh, student housing. They kind of dealt with it via sort of emergency housing or efforts to, to, to address homelessness for students, but they weren't really in the give a lot of money to universities to build housing um, game. That changed last year when the legislature uh, and governor agreed on a three-year, $2 billion plan to give public colleges and universities cash money to develop student housing. The first $500 million was approved. Several uh, colleges and universities are, are going to get that, are expected to get that money. Now, $2 billion sounds like a lot of money, but because of how expensive it is to build in California, a bed on average costs $240,000 to build. And I don't mean like a physical bed. I mean like the space to provide a bed for a student, right? So- mm -hmm. $240,000 for a bed. That means that for a million dollars, you house basically four students, right? Um, so mm -hmm. $2 billion, not enough to address the kind of problem we're, we're seeing in California where you have, you know, more than, more than 2 million um, uh, students, uh, uh, public students, public college and university students. There's another plan in the works right now Um a uh, lawmaker in Sacramento, um, Kevin McCarty. Um, he's an assembly member and Democrat. He wants to present a $5 billion loan. It's a zero interest loan um, that would go out to colleges and universities. And the way it would work is this uh, loan, uh, which would be managed by the state, would go to colleges and then colleges and universities would take the money, um, build housing, and then 
over a 20 or 30 year period, repay the state zero interest for that loan. And then over time, the state has like this replenished bucket of money to loan out the next batch of dollars for uh, student housing. So those are the those are like the money proposals. And then there are other legislative fixes um, being considered to to speed up housing construction on campus. All right. So we only have a couple of minutes left in the program, but I think that that gives a good sense of both the scope of this problem that California's students, uh, university students are facing right now, as well as some of the fixes that are on the table to you know, push back against the student housing crisis. I want to give both of you a chance to kind of give some closing thoughts on all this, uh, starting with you, Francis Dinkelspiel, uh, with Berkeley side. Your thoughts on you know, the stakes of getting this problem right. What does it mean for university students uh, if we don't get this right, uh, how important is it to, you know, really put the resources that are needed here? Well, I was taken by what Phil Bakavoy had to say about how once upon a time there were artists and things living in Berkeley and uh, they've been forced out. I think one of the, the repercussions of really high housing prices and, you know, very few units is that you know it, it does mean that 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 people who are just starting out or people who are working in an artistic profession or a profession that doesn't uh, pay well they can't come into a community and live and contribute and sort of you know help enrich the community and I think both in Berkeley and in other cities in California this is a terrible problem because you know we don't just want to have a society where only the wealthiest people can afford to live. And I think that is somewhat what is playing out in Berkeley right now. I mean, the median cost of a house is like $1.7 million. People who grew up here can't afford to live here. Students who are coming to Cal can't find, you know, good housing at a reasonable price. And, you know, this is a problem that that, that is, you know, happening all over California. And, and the state really needs to build more housing to solve this problem, because otherwise we're going to just become this extremely stratified society and we're going to drive out people who are creatives, who are nurses, who are, you know, uh, emergency workers and all that. And I, I, I just think that, um, you know, this issue at Berkeley is just emblematic of this very broad issue in California. And uh, Michael Zinstein, same to you. Uh, closing thoughts? I have something that that, that complements that, that sentiment. Um, the focus on housing and housing affordability is is pretty new, as as I said, um, at least for state lawmakers. But it's all part of this um, effort um, to address um, college costs beyond tuition. Historically, we've thought about the cost of college as tuition, right? Um, but at the UC, more than half of students uh, receive, don't have to pay tuition because of state grants and, and, and UC grants and, and federal grants. And so this widening of the scope of affordability has um, meant that um, lawmakers are now taking housing costs seriously. And that becomes an expense for the state because lawmakers also want to expand enrollment at the UC and CSU. So more students means more financial aid. And I just think that there's we're witnessing a sort of recalibration of the state's commitment to both college access and affordability. 
And that means, I mean, it means a lot of things. It means that in a few years uh, that this, this housing crisis might, um, might be less of a crisis. I think it's also a way to signal to, to families in California that the state is taking affordability, college affordability seriously. And it's a way perhaps to keep more families here instead of say, leaving for Idaho or Texas. Well, a hugely important topic, as we've been hearing, also a, a very complicated one. And so we do thank both of our guests very much for helping us navigate through this uh, labyrinthine set of issues. Uh, Going to thank them both one last time. We have been hearing once again from Frances Dinkelspiel, a reporter for Berkeley Side. Once again, it's an online news outlet that she also happened to co-found. Frances Dinkelspiel, thanks so much. Thank you. And heard from as well, Michael Zinstein higher education reporter for CalMatters. Michael Zinstein, thanks to you as well. Thank you all. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 